Hello, escapers. This is Mr. Bistro. And this is Screaming Truth. Our latest podcast comes to you straight from the Dealer Hall at Gen Con. Truth and I were there to try to capture something of the convention's essence, uh, as well as get you the scoop on some of the new stuff that's out there. We'll be popping in and out of the Gen Con recording to fill in the gaps or to clue you in on something else. Now let's get going. This is Screaming Truth. I'm here with Mr. Bistro. We're at Gen Con 2008 in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, we're just wandering around talking to some folks. We're, we're over at the HeroScape tournaments. We're bouncing around some of the exhibit hall booths, uh, talking to some game designers and such. Uh, Bistro, what do you think about what you've seen here so far at Gen Con? Uh, howdy, peoples. It's uh, pretty impressive, I have to say. It's my first Gen Con, so it's a little overwhelming at first tons of stuff to see and do uh, I have to roll Han over every half an hour to make sure he doesn't choke to death on his vomit it's, uh, it's a lot of work so we're here in audio so we, so we can't really give you a good picture but we'll try to give you a word picture here uh, about the dealer hall the dealer hall just keeps growing at Gen Con every year over the past few years and it is absolutely massive I, what are your impressions as you walk into the dealer hall bistro I was a little overwhelmed at first because I'm looking for uh, some really big names and the problem is, is I, I couldn't find even uh, people like um, Fantasy Flight AEG uh, Mayfair all these big names are dwarfed by Oh, you know, there's there's so much going on, so it's it's actually hard to find people. Um, there's just so many different booths. Uh, if you haven't been to Gen Con, one of the coolest things you can do is there's there's gaming everywhere. Uh, every company's got uh, demos set up. Uh, I was at Fantasy Flight earlier. Uh, they had Battlestar Galactica that they were playing. They had uh, the new revised Talisman, and you can even see games that are in development won't be out for a while. Uh, saw Age of Conan, which looks really really cool. It's like a Civ game with uh, basically people are trying to build civilizations and fight each other. Meanwhile, Conan's tearing through them all, and they have to sort of deal with him. So it's a lot of uh, neat opportunities to play games that are coming out and stuff that won't be out for a while longer. So we're going to head into the dealer's hall now, and we're going to see if we can't find some game designers and important people to, to, to talk to here. All right, Hero Escapers, we uh, have the pleasure. We're at the dealer hall right now, and we're talking to none other than Sky Knight from HeroScapers.com. Uh, Sky Knight, there's currently a bounty placed on your head. It's a three-thaling uh, tundra bounty um, from about 35 Heroescapers who are upset that you've ruined their chances because uh, they, they bet on you in the, the tournament. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Sky Knight decided to step out, do a little shopping, and uh, pr- flip the proverbial bird to all those who believed in him. Scott, how do you feel? You know, it's kind of rough at that point. I did put a pinch hitter in. Uh, I think the guy's going to do excellent. It's one of the finest players I've seen in a long time, so he'll be standing in for me. I'm not exactly sure who he is. Um, he did buy my ticket, though, and... To all those that think I let him down, I put a pinch hitter in that he'll do you proud. And you'll just never know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sky Knight. Well, we uh, appreciate you talking to us. Thanks. And uh, good luck de- uh, dealing with the consequences of uh, your betrayal of trust. Oh, my pleasure. Right, Thank I you. One question. How does it feel to be the most hated man on HeroScapers.com now? Oh, you know, I'm used to it. It's been <laughs> that way for a long time anyway. So. <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> okay. Now we're here at the Wizards of the Coast booth. Looking at their massive HeroScape display, uh, it, it's just—it's breathtaking, really. Uh, originally, we thought well, there wasn't going to be anything, so it's a, at least a step above that. But we got this tiny glass case that has three shelves on it, and, and on the bottom shelf is the Marvel Master Set. On the second shelf is, and the third shelf is the Swarm of the Marvel Master Set. 
truth. I think it bears repeating that uh, we're just noticing there's absolutely no labels anywhere on this. So anyone who has not seen Heroes Cable will have no clue what they're looking at. It's um, it, it must have been some kind of last minute decision. Clearly, they spend very little time on it. And and I mean, in years past, we've always seen you know video and pictures of the massive display they put on, and it's always been a huge hit. Uh, to be reduced to this here is a little saddening. Uh, Sky Knight's still with us. What do you think? Well, a little sad. A little uh, makes me feel small and worthless, basically. Oh, my God, Bistro, is that the abomination? Oh, is that a new one? <laughs> that's Marvel. You wouldn't know. Oh. That's, that's been around for a while. <laughs> so, really, there's there's nothing new, uh, nothing nothing to buzz about for HeroScape, which is just incredibly disappointing for us all. Uh, I did notice yesterday when I was down at the Ram, actually, that they had uh, put up a full-size poster of HeroScape, framed it, and put it in their dining room. It's uh, kind of sad when the local bars support HeroScape more than Wizards of the Coast, actually. Hey, folks. We just wanted to jump in here and say a few more things about the HeroScape display. Yeah, remember those HeroScape displays at Toys R Us? That's how big these things were. And one only had Swarm of the Morrow, while the other only had Marvel. One bit of good news, though, was the fact that Heroescape was for sale at the Wizards booth. And as far as I can tell, it sold fairly well throughout the con. Now let's jump to an interview we snagged over at the Flying Frog booth. Hey, Heroescapers, Truth and I are standing here with Scott Hill, the art director at Flying Frog Games. Uh, Thanks for talking to us, Scott. Uh, It's great talking to you guys. Uh, Flying Frog Games put uh, last year put out Last Night on Earth, uh, probably one of the biggest hits of Gen Con. You've heard us talk about it a whole lot. We are big fans of the game. This year, all the buzz is A Touch of Evil, which is a new supernatural uh, board game that uh, Flying Frog has put out. Tell us a little bit about it, Scott. So A Touch of Evil is our second full game title, and it's done by the whole team that did the first one, uh, Last Night on Earth, but it's a totally different game. That's probably the biggest question we've been getting at the convention. And um, it is a period piece, so it takes place at the turn of the century, about 1800, and uh, it is a supernatural thriller. So there's an element of it that is uh, sort of a murder mystery, uh, but whereas Last Night on Earth is a celebration of sort of zombie horror movie genre, um, movies like uh, Day of the Dead, that kind of thing. Uh, Touch of Evil is supernatural type movies. It's it's a celebration of that genre. So say Bram Stoker's Dracula or Sleepy Hollow. So it's uh, it takes place in colonial America, or I guess post colonial America, in a very small town called Shadowbrook, and. Uh, under strange circumstances, a, a large series of murders starts up. And as the bodies begin to pile up, it attracts the attention of people in surrounding towns. And uh, a number of adventurers from outside the town come to town to try to, to figure out what's going on. Sort of larger-than-life heroes. And those are the main characters that you can play in the game. And uh, So it, it's kind of a, an adventure game in the style of... Um, Return of the Heroes or Arkham Horror in the sense you don't know what you're up against until you've had a chance to uncover a few clues? Right. Um, basically, there is a, a main villain that is a supernatural villain, and this is sort of analogous to the scenarios in Last Night on Earth because at the beginning of the game, you can select randomly what your villain is, villain is going to be, uh, or you could decide, hey, I really want to fight this particular villain this time. 
just like you could decide, I really want to play this particular scenario, or you could choose randomly in Last Night on Earth. And the, the uh, villain that you choose actually colors the whole game. So the four villains that we have in the main box set are a vampire, a, a scarecrow, a spectral horseman, who is coincidentally headless, and uh, also a werewolf. And so it changes the game depending on who you're fighting. Not only do they have their own stats and abilities and different, uh, different flavor, but they also have an entire minion chart different and unique to each of the villains. So if you are playing against uh, the Scarecrow, along the way you're going to be fighting swarms of locusts. Uh, murders of crows are going to choke the streets. And the Scarecrow himself... As the bodies pile up, he gets stronger and stronger. So you're really in a race against time because the longer it takes you to uh, build up your character, track him down to his lair, and then ultimately start a showdown and try to defeat him, the stronger he's going to be. Totally different from that if you're playing against the vampire... Uh, it's going to be bats, wolves. When when uh, there's murders in the town, the people can rise from the dead and become succubus or walking dead, that kind of thing. So it's a uh, it's very vampire-y. So whoever you're fighting against, that changes colors the whole game. And uh, there's also sort of a a mystery kind of uh, element to it, where there is uh, the town is kind of corrupt. So all these pillars of the community. So like the town doctor, the town magistrate, that kind of thing. Lord Hanbrook, he's the wealthiest man in town. These guys all have their secrets, and so there is a deck of secrets. So at the beginning of the game, you shuffle up the deck of secrets, you put one on each character, and then you can actually pay um, the currency of the game, investigation, to try to investigate each of these people. And so it's almost a little like Clue or something like that, where you're trying to uh, see what each person's secrets are, because... At the end of the game, when you begin a showdown, you can take up to two of these town elders with you, and they'll totally help you out. They have different stats and abilities that will boost your chances of taking out the bad guy. But the problem is you don't know what their secrets are unless you investigate them. And the secrets could be that they're in league with the villain, or maybe they are the villain, or maybe they're controlling the villain, or maybe they're just a coward and they're going to run away and not help you. So it's important to, to investigate ahead of time to try to find out who it is that you should be taking with you. Interesting. So it sounds like there's a lot of variation in each game. Yeah, one of the main things that we, uh, that we strive for in our games is to make it very replayable. We have a lot of uh, random elements and, um, so that you can just play it for years and not really run out of good times or, or different stuff. And last night on Earth, it, it played out like a zombie movie. Often, do you find this is the same way where where the event cards or, or whatever its its card mechanics and stuff are? You get a lot of unique uh, movie scenarios that are reflections of of our popular culture. I think so. I mean, we're we're huge movie buffs, and so a lot of the things that we've felt like were really cool, like some great scene or some amazing thing that happened in a certain movie, we'll just kind of store that back in our heads and say, "Oh, we should totally do this," you know. And and so those, uh, we never make it so that it, it it has to play out that way. Like every time you play, this is the point where this happens. It's more like we put all of the pieces there, and then they unfold differently every time you play. So. You know, in just like Last Night on Earth, you play one game and the sheriff is completely the star of the film. He's the man. And in the very next game, it might be that he's not even in it. Or he's in it and he gets killed in the second turn. And so he was nothing in that one. In that particular movie, Sally the High School Sweetheart is like the Jamie Lee Curtis type character where she's the only one to survive and she goes on to the sequel or something like that. Um, a Touch of Evil is very much the same way. Uh, we have a, a cast of characters that are all very different and unique. Um, 
people that already play Last Night on Earth might be interested to know that there's a character named uh, Heinrich Cartwright who uh, looks suspiciously like Jake Cartwright, the drifter, in, um, in Last Night on Earth. And this is Heinrich Cartwright, the drifter. So we actually have it played by the same actor. And a family resemblance, possibly? Possibly more. I don't know. There could be something behind it. We're not saying. But, uh, but we try to do lots of little fun things. And, um, and with all the games, we have kind of a, a running plot that goes underneath it. So there were many times in Last Night on Earth where we're telling the, the actors or the models that we're working with, like, oh, okay, this is the scene, you know, as though there's a movie, but there's no movie. Um, where's it like, this is the scene where, you know, Johnny is trying to escape from the zombies, and they're clutching at his jacket, and, and they end up, you know, he has to, like, drop the jacket to be able to get away, and so he loses his jacket. So, if you look in the, in the art for the zombie game, Johnny has his Letterman jacket on for some of the pictures, and then later, he has just this tank top, because he's lost his jacket. And if you connect the dots, you can see, oh, these these uh, cards happen. It's a scene from after he loses the jacket. And then there's actually a card called um, This Can't Be Happening, where it has his girlfriend, Jenny the Farmer's Daughter, clutching at his jacket, crying because she thinks he's dead. Because she finds his jacket and thinks, of course, it's covered in blood and everything. She thinks he's been you know, taken by zombies. And so there, if you look at the cards, you can kind of see a narrative and... and um, and see how it all connects together. We put that into all of the games, um, and people can connect those dots, or if they don't, then that's fine. They, they can enjoy each of the cards as a one-off kind of thing. But uh, there is a depth there if you, if you scratch the surface. Let's talk about art direction. Um, last Night on Earth, you used a lot of real photos, and you sort of did a few effects on them so they're not necessarily, uh, you know, so they don't look necessarily entirely real. Uh, you did something kind of similar with a touch of evil, but I, I noticed the map is really different this time, and I, I kind of liked it. Last Night on Earth is uh, supposed to be a, a representation of a town. It's a, to scale with the miniatures. Uh, a touch of evil uses sort of like an old-fashioned, uh, you know, discolored, slightly discolored map, sort of a larger area. Uh, what was the choice spot? What was the decision behind making a map like that? Well, the, uh, the game is a little bit different, and it takes place sort of on a grander scale. So it has the town of Shadowbrook, but the town is actually just the center few uh, spots in the board. Uh, it also incorporates the surrounding areas of the town, points of interest like the abandoned keep, the windmill, the manor, and the old woods. And then there's other things like the covered bridge and the marsh and the fields. But uh, because we had to kind of pull back, it didn't make sense to show the nitty-gritty, you know, like which space are you within the doctor's office or something like that. It's more like uh, it pulls back to um, a little bit of a grander scale so that it doesn't get so fine-grained as to areas within buildings. And instead, it's more like just areas of interest so that you can move around uh, not only the town but also the surrounding areas. And uh, as far as the look for it, uh, you know, we really wanted to push that kind of old, you know, 1800s kind of flavor. So we did that with the costumes and um, kind of the look of the cards and also the map. We wanted to reflect that. So we actually have a very talented artist that did uh, the art for both the, the board for Last Night on Earth and he also did the art for uh, A Touch of Evil. And he, he's a brilliant illustrator and uh, does amazing line work. And so, um, coincidentally, he also plays Jake Cartwright and Heinrich Cartwright, the drifter. He's, uh, he's an all-around superstar. 
Yeah, the map was very impressive. I, it really, it really um, brings home the fact that this is a different game and it's obviously going to play different. And I, I like the sense of adventure that that map creates. Are the photographs, is this Flying Frog's signature style? Are we going to see this more in future games? Uh, you'll definitely see it in future games, and uh, we are working on some illustrated stuff as well. So it's not, it's not like our one-trick pony or something like that, but it is something that, uh, that we feel works very well with the type of games that we enjoy making, which is kind of cinematic, you know, very movie-inspired. And so because it's photographic, we can actually hire actors and models and do costumes and props and set up all the shots. And so it, it, each shoot is very much like like a movie shoot and um, and I think that all that comes across and it plays like you know almost like one of the Decipher's games where they have all the card artists from you know Lord of the Rings movies or Star Wars movies it's, it's almost similar to that except there was never a movie we're doing it we're generating all the art directly for for our product but um, but it's a great style and it's been it's been really rewarding to work with and it's it's pretty unique within the industry so so it's been good for us um it's got to cost a bit more money to do the photographs and the work afterwards to hire actors than just uh, hire an artist, I would assume. Um, I think it could be a trade-off. It depends on if you pay your artists well, I suppose, <laughs> which we would. Which we would. Um, and so, uh, I, I, yeah, it, it may be a little bit more expensive, but it's, it's very rewarding. And one interesting thing is that when we do a shoot, um, we actually generate a lot of content from it. So um, in one shoot with, um, I don't know, Jenny the Farmer's Daughter, say, you know, we might generate 1,200 images or something. And when I say that, that's not like 1,200 unique pictures. For each single card that we're going to put out, we might take, you know, 25 pictures, 20, 25 uh, shots of that card, variations or subtle stuff, just trying to get the right, the right look or the right expression or something like that. So... In the end, though, we do generate more content than we need for that particular game, and so it builds sort of a library that we can dip into for future expansions. So even if we weren't able to get a certain actor back, or maybe they look totally different, um, for instance, the guy that played Billy, um, I haven't talked to him in a while, but the last time I saw pictures of him, he had a bright green mohawk. So that's going to be obviously hard to hide if we need to do a reshoot with Billy, but rest assured that we have a number of Billy images that we have not released yet, and so he can continue to appear looking just like he did in the main game uh, for future expansions. So in a way, uh, if you spread the cost out over expansions and everything, it could even out. Well, uh, thanks for your time. Uh, we're really excited about your product. We're really excited about both games, and we're excited to see what the future holds for Flying Frog. You just kind of came onto the scene last year, and you just exploded in uh, the hearts and minds of at least our, our group of players. Yeah. Thanks very much for your time, Scott. We appreciate it. Okay. And I should say, uh, we are big fans of HeroScape as well, and uh, uh, we play a lot of games, and we're big gamers ourselves, so it, it just means a lot uh, for us to come to conventions like this, talk to guys like you, talk to other gamers that are enjoying the game. It's so rewarding for us, because it's like, man, we're big gamers. Like, It's just really cool that somebody's excited about what we're working on, just like we're excited about what other people are working on, so... We're, we're really happy to be here, and we're happy to be on your podcast. So thanks very much for the opportunity to talk to you guys. Okay, thank you, sir. All right. That was a great interview, and naturally we wanted more. Now, of course, if you're at Gen Con and you want to interview game companies, you absolutely want to talk to someone at Fantasy Flight Games. And we tried, but they weren't as interested in talking to us. Uh, we tried, we gave them my cell phone number, but sadly they never called back. 
they're probably just too busy. But here at Scape Talk, we prefer to take the low road. Uh, therefore, we'll accuse them of being jerks. <laughs> yeah, jerks that we love. Why won't they call? Don't they know how I feel about them? And that's just sad. Let's cut now to Bistro Annoying Participants in the Gen Con Championship game. Don't they love me? Uh, I love them. <laughs> Shut it. Hi, Heroescapers. This is Mr. Bistro and Screaming Truth. Hello. We're uh, reporting live from the floor at Gen Con. We're uh, watching the Heroescape Championships just about to get kicked off. Round one is beginning right now. Uh, we've got such famous people as Lone Wolf here, who is uh, looking nervous. He looks a little sick to his stomach. And he's facing an opponent who looks far more competent than himself. <laughs> let's uh, let's see uh, how he's feeling today. Uh, I'm feeling all right. A little nervous. I think I used up all my good luck yesterday. All right. So Lone Wolf probably going to be uh, lose his chances the first round of the t- the tournament. Let's uh, let's move on and talk to some other folks. All right, we're here at the championships, and we're looking at uh, Scape Talker, uh, ninth doc who's uh, about ready to begin his first game. He's facing Anthony. Uh, both of them setting up their folks right now. Looks like we've got a couple Q9s. Uh, Ninth Doc, uh, is this uh, your army over here with all the rats? It is indeed. That's the chumpiest-looking army I've ever seen. That is the Rage, <laughs> against, the machine, rage against the Machine Army. Welcome to the 2008 Legacy Championships. My name is Nick. I will yes. be your head judge for the event. Nobody cares. You're dead man, Nick. <laughs> we have 159 players. That will be eight rounds of Swiss. Let's see if Nick can tell us any more useless Follow information. Cut to the top eight. What's your inseam, Nick? <laughs> During the event, if you have any questions... They don't. If you made a mistake or you think that there's an error in the game. Oh, there's an error. Raise your hand and yell judge. There will there's be a lot of other there. events going on today, so please make sure If you need to suckle at Nick's teeth, you hold your hand up <laughs> until a judge comes to answer your question. Keep your head down on your desk. If All right. you would like to appeal that ruling, you, you just keep thinking he'll be done. Yep. And all right, we're back. All right, Anthony, uh, what are you playing with today? Well, I'm playing with um, four squads of Stingers, uh, Q9, Raylan, and Osamu. And um, I'm hoping that Raylan doesn't die very early. All right, so Anthony's got a good-looking army. He's up against a tough army. He's got Q9, Q10, and a ton of rats facing him. It's not pretty. All right, so we're also here with Heroescapers Raichian and Anakara. Raichian. Raichian. Sorry, it's I'm not up at all my Pokemon names, so uh, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Raichian has got some agents, uh, Nikita. Uh, he's got uh, also some Mara Warriors. And Anthony, we see, has got some um, Regiment of Foot there and some Robo Rats. How are you guys feeling? I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling good. Finally get to play some Heroescape. All right, yeah, Raikian spent all last day running tournaments for us, which we really appreciate. Anakara, how are you feeling? I would just like to say that I wish Elfie was here to be here at this event. 
So Anna Carter's thoughts with Elfie today. Um, it's a little creepy, I believe. It's an underage boy he's referring to. Um, <laughs> we'll have to talk to Elfie's parents. Thanks, guys. All right, we're here with uh, Rev Dyer, who's just set up his army. He's got a lot of uh, uh, British guys here. He's got some rats and uh, a dwarf-looking Viking. And we've also got long-timer uh, Hendel, who's uh, got a mess of stingers, a ton of them. Uh, they're looking at each other viciously, making obscene gestures. This could be a tough fight. We're watching another game here uh, where site regular Jexic is playing. Uh, for those of you who aren't here, uh, Jexic decided to dress down uh, for this Gen Con, uh, wearing sweatpants. It's uh, a little disappointing. That's sweatpants and a blazer. <laughs> How are you doing uh, so far in the tournament? Um, okay, I'm one and one, and I'm in the middle of this game here. I could lose with one D20 roll if he takes nil fine, but otherwise I'm looking pretty good. I don't think it's <laughs> Okay, so he's, he's living life on the edge right now. We are talking to perhaps one of the bravest players in the tournament. We've got Playa One here who, yes, went to the championship tournament with Dune. That is awesome. What, what made you decide to use Dune? Well, um, originally I was practicing with my ghost Braxis army, and I, always, I had 110 points left over tried a bunch of things. But the one time I brought Dunn to a, um, sort of a local tournament in Champaign where we're from, it really threw my opponents off. They were just confused. They didn't know what to do. You know, as far as putting their order markers down, they were like, I don't know, should I, you know, they were afraid to do it. So it really affected the game. So I thought, what the heck, it's fun, you know. And uh, he's crippled gaze several times today, so hasn't done me too well. I'm one win, two losses, but still. <laughs> All right, well, a triple gaze, that's that's a, a great record so far. We should probably have a trophy in the future. It's like a little silver dune for everyone who brings dune, because that's that's fantastic. So, so, so that's one trophy, then, that we'll need? <laughs> one trophy, but uh, very good. Good for you for uh, taking uh, that kind of a risk. Yeah. Thanks. After the tournaments, Bistro, Grunge Bob, and Drink More Guinness dropped by the upper deck booth to get the scoop on the new World of Warcraft miniatures game. Hi, Escapers. This is Mr. Bistro, and with me is Grunge Bob and Drink More Guinness. Hello. Howdy, folks. Uh, we're standing here in the upper deck uh, booth uh, about to uh, try out the World of Warcraft miniatures game as well as talk to Justin Gary, the designer of the game. And uh, we're just going to go through and describe what we see to you. Okay, we just got to look at some World of Warcraft miniatures. Uh, these miniatures are the actual quality you'll be receiving uh, when you purchase them. Uh, what are your initial thoughts, Drink More Guinness? Um, I'm pretty impressed so far. The size is a little bit bigger than I expected, but um, I think it's going to work out. Uh, the, the, the production paint jobs are very nice. Uh, what do you think of the, uh, of the dial bases, Grunge Bob? Are they, is, it like, um, is this going to be like clicks, or is it something a little different? This is like uh, clicks, but a step up. The, there's a bottom part to the base that's actually detachable, so you can take the beautiful figure off the off the base, and the base is where all the mechanics are that click and everything. So uh, when you take the miniature off the base, he just looks like a regular miniature. He doesn't look like he has a gizmo for a base, but then when you click him on, then he, he looks like a sort of a, a, a mechanical piece of some kind. And the uh, ability to detach the miniature is going to be great for people who want to buy these miniatures to convert them. Uh, that's going to be a really easy process to separate them from the dial. Uh, they are impressive. They are very impressive. Um, these paint jobs are certainly better than anything you see in D&D miniatures or um, you know any uh, Wizards miniatures or um, things like Clicks. These are, are very nice. they got a lot of colors on them, uh, a lot of translucent uh, plastic. It's very impressive. The map is two-sided, I just noticed. 
It's a little on the flimsy side. It's sort of a glossy print-off thing. Um, but it is two-sided, which is really nice. That gives some variety. And there is um, talk of, in September, releasing a deluxe version of the game that has a much better, more sturdy map. And I know this game is sort of be a, more of a personal scale, like a player-versus-player player feel to it. But I'm kind of surprised by the size of the map. It looks... It's just smaller than I kind of imagined that it would be. I kind of... I kind of thought that it would have a small map because the focus of the game is really on the interaction of the character's powers, and it's not a big uh, game that involves a lot of movement as a, as a mechanic, but it's mostly just coordinating your powers and managing this time resource thing, which I find to be really intriguing. Yeah, uh, for, those of you, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, there's a turn track, a, a sort of a time track, and it's neat. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're playing a video game, hit a button and you swing your, uh, your weapon... There's a brief moment of animation where you have to wait for it to finish so you can swing again. And this game sort of seems to be simulating that with the time track. You do a big, powerful attack, you're going to be waiting a while while people do quicker animations get to get stuff in. All right, folks, we're with uh, Justin Gary, who's taking some time out. Uh, he's going to run Grunge Bob and Drink More Guinness through a, uh, uh, a demo game of World of Warcraft. What we'll do is we'll get the game started, and then I'll explain more as we start moving forward. Sure. Um, so everybody's got should have their health set to their starting health, which you can see on their character card, and everybody's clock should be set to that. Okay. For the very first turn of the game, we will uh, roll off to see who goes first, so you guys can right. uh, see who's uh, got the dice uh, power here. It's not me. It's probably not. <laughs> Two is not great. Oh! Yeah, All right, so you're going to get to go first. So right now, Ruby could move on to a hill here, and that, but uh, neither Gorbelly nor Hadoon can. Um, and then if you're on a hill, one of these three spaces, when you attack, you get to re-roll one of your attack dice. If you're in the woods when you defend, you get to re-roll one of your defense dice. So it gives you some terrain advantages. Um, I think I'm going to move her into the onto this hill. Okay. Right there. So on the hill, you have a range two attack, but nobody's in range two, so you're, I think, out of luck here. So then uh, you'll advance up to three. And now it uh, looks like we're going to be uh, close to being able to get into combat here. All right. Reaction ranged attack. All right. So, who would you like to start with your ranged attack? You can have you have line of sight to both characters. Um, you guys are gamer, so a line of sight is, is pretty simply tracked. Um, you count the shortest path between the characters. Uh, if there's no blocking terrain or enemy characters in the way, you can see them. So here you could not see each other. Here you can. So uh, you're going after. Uh, all right. So you're going to attack the priest. Now the way combat works. Now that we're uh, we're here, you pay for the attack first. So you go from uh, two up to five. Uh, then you roll dice equal to your power. Now you know that number because it's just listed right there. Now this is a magic attack. Uh, would you know because there's a starburst? Also, if you play the online game, it tells you it's arcane, so it's be magic. Um, and what that means is that it tells you you use your resist number when you're defending. If it's a physical attack with one of these, a sword, uh, then you use your armor number when you're defending. So you're going to roll six dice, and you're looking for fours or better. And we make that real easy for you because we gray out the numbers one to three. Um, and that's each one of those is a hit. If you roll any number of crits, which is this 10 symbol here, then you get your bonus crit effect. All right, four hits. Now, it's your resist number tells you how many dice you get to roll and defend. So you get to roll two to defend. You defended one. So four hits minus one defense, you're going to take three damage. And you just mark that on your character. That's combat. There you go. All right. So, uh... Now uh, we're still on tick two. Uh, the alliance acted last, so your uh, warrior is uh, up. Okay. <clears throat> well, 
time for a little payback. Okay, guys, so we're watching them play, uh, and what's happened is, is pretty cool. There's there's two dials on the base. You've got one to uh, track time, one to track health. And so uh, Grunge Bob and Drink More Guinness have advanced upon each other. Um, the mechanics are, are very simple. Terrain is handled nicely. If you're on a hill, you're going to get a plus one attack. If you're in the woods, you get plus one defense. Very similar to what we've seen here Escape. Uh, each character has their own abilities. Uh, very similar to Hero Escape or the new Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm watching them maneuver, watching them fight, watching them shoot. So she actually gets to roll two dice to defend. <laughs> and neither of them did anything, but that's okay. His roll was bad too, so you're going to take three damage from the attack. So Ruby goes down from five all the way down to two. Usually I'll yeah, grab it by the base, but... you gotta, you got to grab it one way to turn the health and yeah, the other exactly. way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You, you know, it's really quick. Um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a base four. Yeah, you, we gray out the numbers one to three and make it easy. All right, so I think we got one more two left with the Paladin, and then... Uh, all right. All right. Smackdown. All right. So the Paladin is making a four-die physical attack against the Warrior. Three hits. Warrior gets three armor to defend. And you got one of them, so you're going to take two. Now, you can start to see one of the tactics in this game is uh, wanting to channel your physical attacks against a character with lower armor. The fact that you are only rolling four dice against his three, you're only going to do so much damage in those kinds of attack, whereas when, you know, Gorbelly was attacking the... Uh, mage, now your roll wasn't great, but you're going to be likely to do a lot more damage because the mage's armor is so low. Right. So it's one of the tactical elements to be considering when you're making decisions. Uh, Hodun actually has a really good crit. When he crits, he gets to break a seal and make a powerful magic attack. So whenever he crits against Gorbelly, his attack gets much, much better because right. Gorbelly's got a lot lower resist. Right. So, um, alright, we're going to be moving to tick three. Um, you guys seem to have picked this up really quick. Um, so what I want to introduce is the next exciting element of this game, which is the action bar cards. Uh, this is a way that you get to customize your characters. Uh, they actually give you additional abilities. Uh, normally these start and play face down, so your opponent doesn't know what they are, and it can give you a little bit of surprise during the course of the game. But for purposes of the demo, we're going to flip them all face up so we can see what's going on. So again, for those that play the online game, these let you create the ability set that you play online. You can get your character to customize just the way you want it, or if you're just you know looking the game out, you can really create some cool combos. Are these cards character specific, or can they be applied uh, to anyone? They can be applied to anybody. It's a it's a good question. They have uh, you know class restrictions very often, right? Only mages can play fire blast and ice barrier. Only warriors can charge, um, and so but any warrior can do that. So when you get one of these cards, you can customize it out. So will each um, would the cards come with the characters? Are they random? the cards as well? Yeah, we actually have it set up so that each character will always come with certain cards. Um, so whenever you open up, even if you open up one booster pack, you have an army that you can actually play uh, straight out of the box and they're set up, but then we expect people to you know mix and match and customize. Them. So if he and I get the same figure and, and you know, we each get a box of the same figure, we might have different cards so we could end up you know, the well, when, when you open the figure out of the pack, you're always going to get the same cards with each figure. Well, we did that to make it sort of make sure that there was an even balance of the car- cards and that you always got cards that you could use. We didn't want to have it set up so if you got, you know, warrior cards with your mage and you just felt really dumb. So, you're not screwed. 
So we uh, now uh, the way these work uh, is basically they work just like your regular. Uh, so take a look here at Mind Blast uh, from the Priest. It's got a two time cost, range of three, power five, magic attack, and it's got its own crit built in. Uh, the difference is when you use an action bar card, you have to exhaust it. And then it's on cooldown, can't be used again until the end of the round. After the end of Tick 10, when it goes back to 1, all the action bar cards are ready and are ready to go. Um, there's also some other exciting types of action bar cards. There's, you'll notice some of these have a zero cost. Those are called instants. Uh, during your turn, you can play an instant in addition to your normal action. So the warrior can charge and attack. Ruby can actually fire blast and do her main attacks to do a ton of damage. Uh, so those are a lot of fun. Uh, and then there's one other card type that only Ruby has in the demo, uh, which is a React card. Those are cards you can play when it's not your turn. Uh, in this case, Ruby has Ice Barrier. Whenever you target her with an attack before the dice get rolled, you can play Ice Barrier and it'll prevent some of the damage from the attack. So uh, that's, uh, that's the action bar card. So now when you start playing, you guys can start considering those options as well, make it a little bit more exciting. All right. When you play them face down, do you have to turn them over to specific? Hey, Justin has just introduced probably the most interesting element we've seen so far. Uh, there are these special cards you can attach to your character that are special abilities. Uh, they're class-based, so they don't mix with everyone. But uh, these are absolutely fascinating. They, when you get these cards, they allow you to customize your characters. So I can play with Gorbelly one way. Grungebob might play with them in a completely different way. Uh, this opens up so much more to the game. Uh, it really is an amazing element. So we're going to watch this in action. So the fact that he's been waiting lets him act now. Correct. And now, can I target this miniature through my own? Yes, you can target through your own characters, but he cannot target through your characters. Correct. So this is actually a really good position in general yes. for your priest. He can't get at your priest very easily, but your priest can pretty much hit anybody that, that he wants. Okay. So so I'm going to use uh, my... My very powerful Psychic Scream ability. <laughs> All right. So just to be, uh, Psychic Scream uh, only hits people next oh. to you, and <laughs> yes. it, it doesn't right. do damage. You can yep. see from the text that actually caught, and for each damage you do, they run away in a, a space oh, away from you. Yes. You're right. Yeah, it's a fear it. effect. I saw the seven and got yeah, all excited. Like, one of the interesting things we're seeing is there's a critical hit mechanic. Uh, there's a skull on the dice. If you roll a skull, it is an automatic hit and a critical hit at that. Uh, some of the special cards used to customize your character have their own special critical hit feature. So if you do score a critical hit, not, uh, you're actually going to do something above and beyond what you would normally do, which adds uh, another element to the game. Uh, another interesting element is uh, Justin introduced uh, victory ele uh, elements. Whenever you're playing a game and you just uh, bring in your characters, there's no points cost involved. However, uh, different characters do give up uh, a lot more uh, victory points. So you might bring out a character who is much, much more powerful than your opponent, but he's going to have a much easier time winning if he's able to uh, do any damage. Two ticks up, so that's the time it'll take you to respawn. You score four victory points right away. Um, and then what that'll do is when the clock gets back to two, she comes right back into the game and plays. One of the things this really does from a tactical perspective is, you know, as you guys know, when you play a miniature game, you start taking out enemy characters. It becomes very much a snowball effect because they have less resources to fight you with and you're already moving ahead and winning. Here, you actually have an opportunity to make a comeback because your characters will come back in the game and you can start fighting again. So, uh, as in the game, uh, in World of Warcraft minis, you respawn. Uh, you'll be out of the game for a while. Uh, so it means that you will not be permanently out of the game. You will have a chance to come back. Uh, it reminds me of Heroescape's order marker ability because uh, you know with Heroescape's order markers, you always are going to be able to move 
three guys each turn, even if you only got one, one guy. Uh, it's an interesting effect. So we're moving through the game. Uh, it's been a bit of a give and take. Uh, there's a victory point location we're going to have your guys on top of, uh, as well as uh, you get victory points for killing your opponent. So Grunge Bob has now killed both of Drink Morganis' guys and is up to uh, nine victory points. Drink Morganis has only killed one of Grunge Bob's guys and is himself at six victory points. So uh, a lot of back and forth. The game is very close to ending. So the way the whole uh, victory system works is you guys, uh, the more tough they are, the bigger their honor points are. The more honor points your guys have, the more points they need to earn to be able to win the game. So if I've got three weaker guys than, say, Grunge Bob, my guys will have to earn fewer points to be, cons- uh, to be considered winning the game. If he's got some big uber guy, he's going to have to earn a lot more. So um, it makes up for the fact that his big guy is going to beat my small guys around. So we have a drink more Guinness victory. He has been able to defeat Grunge Bob by very narrow margins. Um, they both needed 11 victory points to win, and he won by one point. All right, uh, we're here with uh, Justin Gary, who's the brand manager for World of Warcraft. Just ran us through this demo. Uh, thanks for taking some time out for us. Yeah, my pleasure. We've been having a lot of fun. Uh, first of all, let's uh, talk about the bases. Uh, what was the decision? What, what sort of uh, brought that decision about? So, you know, I, I looked around at the industry and saw the different kinds of games out there. And I saw, you know, one thing that's really cool is when certain games have, you know, a sort of built-in click base or something where they track game information. But I've noticed that those bases don't tend to look all that good. So when you want to display the piece on, you know, on your mantle or near your computer or whatever, it doesn't really look good. And on the other hand, you have pieces that don't have any game information on them that are kind of static. And those do look good when you're laying them out, but they're not really game pieces. I mean, you could just, you know, sort of use a salt shaker in their place. And so what we wanted to do is come up with something that had the advantages of both worlds. So we have this detachable base so that when you want to just display it, you've got a figure that just looks good and has a nice clean base. And when you want to play, you snap it right in and suddenly it tracks all the game data for you. And it's a really cool thing. One of the other nice aspects of it is we're able to sort of customize them and create different designs. So here we have Alliance and Horde ones. We have one for the Monster Faction. In the future, we're going to create a lot of special ones, whether you win tournaments you can get a special you know u-base for that now sadly my recorder ran out of memory during the end of justin's interview so the ending is lost to time uh sorry about that folks but i asked him why a gamer might choose world of warcraft over other games uh, there being after all a number of other games on the market uh, he cited world of warcraft's license the game's unique timing function the ability to customize characters and of course the beautiful miniatures as solid reasons uh, i have to confess we walked away pretty impressed drink more guinness had fun as did grunge bob though grunge bob did say he found the wow dial bases to be a little fiddly there are two dials and it is possible to get them mixed up but overall he didn't feel it was a big deal now we were only looking at a demo you know, using just a starter set. So we don't have the full picture yet, but based solely on what I've seen so far, not to mention the prospect of build-your-own dungeon raids, things like that, this is definitely one to watch out for in the future. Let's wrap up our coverage by returning to the HeroScape Championship. All right, we're checking back in with the HeroScape Championship tournament. Uh, when last we left Lone Wolf, he was wiping away tears from his eyes. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing great. Uh, coming back a little bit. Uh, for those of you who voted for me in the draft, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm 2-1 now coming back, but still got a long road to go uphill. Okay, 2-1s. Two that's two losses, one win. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll check back with him later on in the tournament. 
Uh, guys, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying this, but I'm thinking about leaving early. I just want to go over to the Wizards of Coast booth. I haven't been over there yet, and I want to check out the huge HeroScape display. I heard it's awesome. I'm heading there now, maybe. Yeah, we have seen it. It is impressive. Um, there's, uh, what, I think almost two master sets on display, and they're not labeled, so you might have troubles finding it, but good luck. We're checking back in with Doc, who last time we saw had the look of a wounded animal. Uh, he's currently playing uh, Karma, and it's a little crazy. There are rats everywhere. It's just rat carnage. Uh, yeah, there's rats, bots. It's actually, it's bots and Morrow, as uh, far as I can see. Uh, both players having Q9s. Uh, how you doing so far, Karma? Uh, so far, so good. Having a great time. It's awesome. How many games have you gone through so far? Uh, this, this is on my third, so... Okay. Doc? Also my third. We're uh, He's just taking a little bit of a lead, but I hope to catch up. Okay, so Karma is kicking uh, Doc in the tush. We hope uh, he'll be able to recover somehow. All right, folks, we've got Rev Dyer who's just finished up his third game. Yes. How'd you do? Well, I'm having fun. That means I lost. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. Well, uh, Rev, uh, what's it been like so far? You've been in a ton of tournaments this year. I, I've been in, in a lot of tournaments this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unlike 2007 where I won something, <laughs> in 2008 I've been pretty consistently losing and having fun. So uh, we've got a lot more people participating this year. Is the competition getting more fierce? No, it's just more of it. More of it. This is uh, Friday of Gen Con, and overseeing today's festivities is uh, our own uh, Scape Talk uh, resident, uh, Grunge Bob. Grunge Bob, how are things? Everything's going good. We're running a little behind because of uh, the crazy filled-up events, but it's all going good. Yeah, we've had a great turnout. There's tons of people playing. Uh, everything looks like it's uh, it's going well. Uh, have you played in any tournaments this year? Not yet, but I'm going to be in a damnation alley tomorrow. We're uh, here at the championship looking at the battle for first and second place. Uh, two familiar faces. We've got Spider Poison, of course. And we have Lone Wolf, who apparently is here due to sympathy uh, from the people he's played previously. Uh, Spider Poison, uh, what you playing with? And uh, how are you feeling about looking at all these uh, rats and stingers? I'm playing four uh, squads of Gladiatrons, two squads of Blastrons, and Ray Lynn. Um, should be a pretty good matchup. Uh, there's some choke points. Uh, we'll see how it goes, though. Okay, and Lone Wolf, you got a lot of Trons staring at you, along with Raylan. That's pretty nasty. What do you think? A couple things. First, the irony is that's pretty much the army I played last year at Gen Con, so I'm getting a dose of my own medicine. But uh, I'm a little offended by the of course spider comment was here and not the of course Lone Wolf was here <laughs> comment. I'd, I'd like to hear a little more of that action to give me a little confidence in this match. But it will be a great match either way, and uh, I made the best man win. Yeah, you guys, uh, you've done uh, really, really well up to this point. So we're excited to see how it turns out. So good luck to both of you. Just walking around the, uh, the tournament hall here. Uh, we've got lots of folks now just playing Heroescape. Uh, some people playing for Winter Waves, some just playing casually. Uh, with me I've got Dad of Cleon uh, here, uh, a previous uh, Heroescaper. Uh, how's uh, Gen Con treating you? What's it like to be with uh, such a legend of a son on the boards? Uh, we're having a great time this year. We just uh, finished a winner wave where we actually played each other for the uh, championship of the winner wave. And uh, Cleon, I am sad to say, defeated me, although it was a very good and close battle. But we're having lots of fun. 
All right, well, I guess if you had to play each other, it was kind of a win-win situation uh, to a certain extent. Uh, did you have fun uh, knocking the crap out of your dad? Yes, I did. Uh, Cleon is dressed in a, he's got a great warrior's vest here, only uh, appropriate uh, considering his avatar. Uh, this is your first time at Gen Con or are you a regular? Uh, second time. We were here last year and yeah, that's pretty much it. Have you, uh, I know this isn't the first tournament you've played in, how have you done so far? I've done pretty well. I've got third, or I tied with third in General Wars. I was 3-1-1 one, one for the championship. And the other two events I was in got knocked out first round. So, all right, pretty good. That's a lot of uh, a lot of playing you guys have done. So, uh, thanks for talking to us. And you playing anything else today? Um, we're playing a uh, heat of battle today, and tomorrow we're playing unique hero and maybe a, uh, another damnation alley. So. All right. Well, good luck, guys. All right, thanks. Just one final comment. Last year, I won a winter wave, so Cody just knocked me off for the winter wave championship <laughs> of the Lucido Homestead. <laughs> All right. Good luck, guys. You too. Thanks. I'm here with Anakara, who is uh, currently helping to oversee the championship games here. Uh, he's got his snazzy little pastime staff shirt on. Uh, how are things uh, holding up? Uh, things are going good. I look like a large black and white cookie, and uh, I going to say there's lots and lots of stingers. Yeah, there's an insane amount of stingers, actually. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, they're, they're a great unit, but I'm surprised how many people have gone with the stingers this year. Oh, that's what, I guess what's keeping it pretty level is everyone's got them. So there's no combating it because you got them, I got them, everyone's got them. All right, an even playing field then. Uh, you going to participate in any more uh, events? Um, I'm going to let somebody beat me in, at 3 o'clock in the next event, and then I'll let somebody beat me tomorrow in uh, another event. All right, Anakara generously uh, giving other people the opportunity to kick him in the pants. Thanks, Anakara. Take it easy. Well, this is Mr. Bistro checking back in with the championship game, Lone Wolf versus Spider Poison. Uh, Lone Wolf has got a ton of dead Mario Stingers and Robo Rats lying to the side, but there are a fair number of Trons lying off to Spider Poison's side, so it is looking awfully tight. Uh, but I would definitely say it looks like uh, Lone Wolf might... No, it, you know what? It looks really, really close. Hard to say who is going to win this fight. Uh, we'll check in later and see what's going on. All right, we are still in the championship game. Uh, there are Trons, a fair amount of Trons, spelled, uh, sp- uh, spread out over the board. Uh, Spy Poison still got uh, a railing out on the board. I see a few robo-rats, a couple stingers, but things are looking a little tight. All right, the championship game has ended. Uh, Looks like Spider Poison uh, squeaked ahead. Uh, Lone Wolf says he rolled ahead. Uh, Lone Wolf, uh, 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 what happened there at the end of the game? Uh, Spider played a great match. He's got a great army, and he knows how to use those units, and uh, he played them right, played it perfect, so... Anything uh, that you wish you'd had differently again facing those Trons? His dice, not mine. <laughs> his, his dice. <laughs> Spider Poison, congratulations on another win. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see, Gladiator Trons and Raylan. Uh, how was it uh, going up against all those rats? Were you making all those normal ranged attacks? Uh, well, there was pretty much a fight around the defense cliff, and once the rats were dead, I was able to control it, and that was a big part of the game. So, Well, congratulations again, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you.
Second place in this uh, championship of this size is still a pretty amazing achievement. This is the biggest turnout Heroescapers has ever seen uh, for the Gen Con Heroescape tournament. So this was an impressive fight. Clearly, uh, Spider Poison and Lone Wolf are two of uh, the best players. So, folks, that was Gen Con, or rather a tiny little portion of it that we were able to capture for you. We enjoyed meeting all of you new scapers as well as seeing some familiar faces again. We also want to say thanks to everyone for participating, as well as thanks to our organizers and assistants, Raikian, Grungebob, Retlaw, The Guru, Anakara, Little Newbie, and many, many more. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone.